Hey, good morning, Journey. Thank you so much for being with us today. Today is our winter um, oneness embraced Sunday. Uh, I already talked about it a little bit in the welcome time today, but let me just pick up the conversation that began um, in May for our church. So I think maybe one of the most sovereign things that happened in 2020 for me is that my family and I were out of town on Memorial Day weekend, and we had pre-recorded the message for that weekend. That weekend, of course, was the weekend that George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis, and, and just the the country erupted in protest on Friday and Saturday night. And Sunday, we did not have a chance to react to what was going on. And I think that was good because I think if we would have just reacted to 72 hours of chaos, we probably would have gotten it wrong. Instead, we had nearly a week to to respond instead of reacting. And in that week, we had a chance to pause because we weren't in a hurry and say, God, what do you, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to say? We had a chance to connect with dozens of black families in our church and ask them, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to say? What do you want to come out of this? And by the time we were able to get to church, we realized that God had had called us to respond in three ways. Um, One, we we felt like God said, uh, Christian journey, take a look at everything that's happening. And I want you to learn to see with my eyes. I want you to learn to feel with my heart. And I want you to learn to serve with my hands. I mean, literally, that was the message that we felt we heard from heaven that that first week of June, June, and that we heard from people in our church. Christian, you need to learn to see with different eyes. You need to learn to feel with a different heart, and you need to learn to serve with different hands. We decided from that point forward, once a quarter, we were going to do Sundays at our church just called Oneness Embraced. We were going to try to be a church that excelled in racial unity like we excelled in serving in our community, like we excelled in going on the mission field, like we excelled in telling people about Jesus. We think we have a lot of things that our church does admirably. The area of racial unity is one that we want to do better. So in June, our Summer Oneness Embrace Sunday, we brought in Pastor Arthur Jackson, and we said, help us to see differently. Help us to see what we don't see so we can understand this problem differently. In our winter, um, of kind of our fall 2020 Oneness Embrace Sunday, we brought in Pastor Marcellus Casey, the chaplain of the Kansas City Chiefs, and we said, teach us to mourn, teach us to feel with the heart of God, the brokenness around us in this area. And for kind of our winter 2021 um, Oneness Embrace Sunday, We've invited Dayton Moore, uh, the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, to join us um, to just talk about what he's doing in our community. Dayton is one of the greatest spiritual leaders, um, I believe, in our community. As a sports fan, God has used him greatly to rally the community of our city around causes, and the causes that he rallies people to, I believe, are close to the heart of Jesus. And when we started thinking about, we've learned to see with new eyes, we're learning to feel with a new heart, who can help us learn to serve? Um, and make a difference. Dayton was one of the first guys um, that I thought of. Dayton, thanks for for taking time out of a busy schedule as you get ready to launch into spring training um, to be with us today. Um, You have, for the 15 years that I have known you, you have been, you've been engaged in trying to make a difference in the areas of racial unity, in the areas um, of our urban community, in the areas of pouring into pouring into young black athletes, young black leaders in the, yeah. in the urban community, trying to, trying to help raise them up, support them, put wind in their sails. Um, you know, for a kid who, who grew up in the Midwest, um, grew up playing hockey, and then grew up playing baseball, I know you moved around a lot. What were your first experiences realizing there was, there was, race, there was not racial unity? And then when did your heart begin to be shaped to, 
I should do something about this. I know you're not the expert in this area. Yeah. I don't think you would say you have all the answers, but I would think you say, I, I think you would say you have a heart to do something yeah. and, you, and your hands have been doing something. Yeah. Well, let me just say, Christian, I'm just, I'm humbled to be here and, and so thankful of your leadership, um, this congregation, this community of JCI. It is special. I believe the Holy Spirit continues to, to move in this body um, through your leadership, and so I'm thankful to be here, really. Um, but you're right, I don't have all the answers. Um, I have a heart to care like you do and, and many who are watching today. Um, when something is wrong, we have an unsettled feeling in our spirit. And, uh, you know, as I reflect back on my youth and some of the experiences, and I, I did have the blessing to be able to m live in a lot of different places. As my father tried to better our lives, we, we moved uh, around quite a bit. It was all good, uh, but there was different experiences. And, I, you know, I really remember for the first time um, in my life as, as a young person in the early 70s, we lived in Memphis, Tennessee, and um, I remember one evening um, that we were driving from Mississippi back to Memphis. And my father ordered my brother and I to get down in the back seat of the car. And we really weren't aware of what was happening, but we could hear my mother and my father uh, in conversation. And, and what had happened was uh, there was a human chain that had formed uh, across the road. Uh, it was in the black community, and uh, there was unrest. And, of course, you couldn't help but, um, you know, wonder. Your curiosity would set in. And so really for the, the first time, I began to understand that, you know, for whatever reason, we weren't working in harmony and unity, uh, and there was something that was different in that community. And, of course, you know, being in a school system, uh, as a young person where there was uh, African-American kids and, and white kids, you know, trying to do life together, you could feel a little tension at times. Uh, and so we began to kind of work through that from that day on. But look, when you work in, when you work in athletics uh, your entire life, and, um, and, and you understand this, uh, all, you know all your success is tied together, okay? And so it is impossible to succeed unless you have everybody working as one right. for the greater good. And so it demands unity if you're going to be successful. And so we've always just really worked hard with that understanding and tried uh, to, to do better and, and bring people together. So if you have your Bibles today in James chapter 2, I just want to read a few verses that I think frame this discussion about just making sure we see everyone. I, um, to me, you've always been someone whose eyes, maybe, maybe because of your upbringing, maybe because of the arena that you work in, whose eyes see more than so many of us have, and, and I think your heart feels what's needed. In James chapter 2, James, Jesus' younger brother, is, is teaching on favoritism. And he's talking about how, how Christians need to love each other as they love themselves and how they need to see everyone as they see themselves and not treat some people differently just because they come from a different part of life. And he says this in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, stand there, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? 
Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? You've dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps a whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you commit adultery but do murder, you've become a lawbreaker. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Dayton, as we think about people who speak and act in a way that honors everyone, um, we're, sit, we're sitting in the Urban Youth Academy um, in downtown Kansas City, uh, where the, the C10, the CU in the Major Leagues Foundation that um, you help oversee runs and, and mentors um, young athletes, um, young kids in the community who do great in the educational field, young leaders in the community. Um, when, when you think about where your passion came for to, to make a difference in the urban core. When I met you nearly 15 years ago, um, you know, no, no rings, no championships. You were, I mean, you were brand new to Kansas City, but you were already, you and Marianne, your wife, um, were engaged um, in the city union mission. Like, you moved to the city and you didn't just embrace the suburbs. Like, you spoke and you act as if everyone in the city, from the urban core to the, to the suburbs, uh, were, were part of your people and part of your mission. Where, where, did, where did that come from? Well, look, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that God's not impressed with a general manager of a baseball team. And, um, but I've always looked at this as an opportunity. Of, uh, you have a platform to do good. And um, I know that if there's anything good in me at all, it comes from God. Right. Uh, it's impossible for me to accomplish anything apart from Jesus. Scripture tells us that. Right. I'm unashamed about that. Um, I, I realize everything that I've been able to, uh, to achieve, I, I deserve nothing. Um, Jesus, um, um, uh, I, I deserve nothing from him, but he's given me everything. And that's the absolute truth. But as you know, we sit here at this Urban Youth Academy. Um, you know, our early experiences with this were amazing. And it was very eye-opening to me. Now, as I said, I've been in baseball my entire life, so part of me's been stranded in adolescence, okay? So, and maybe I just didn't realize some right. things, but when we began this vision, it's a 20, $21 million project here in the 18th and Vine District, and we began to have discussions in small groups and large forums and casting vision, and every once in a while, um, we would hear from a vocal minority, and in small groups, people would say this. They would say, we don't want white people from the suburbs in this community. And that hurt me. I didn't understand that. I didn't realize that this type of racial tension and bitterness existed in Kansas City. My fault. I didn't know that. And then when I'd had these conversations with people in the suburbs about the Urban Youth Academy, and they would say things like, well, we don't want to bring our families down there. It's not safe. Um, and so we began to have conversations like this, um, especially in this community. I would say things like, I would respond to say, look, I'm sorry you feel the way you feel. I'm sure there's a reason you feel the way you feel. 
and I'm sorry for that. But how can we make sure that your children and your grandchildren don't have that same feeling, that same bitterness, that same frustration that you have? Because I know you don't want that for your children. And so what can we do? And so the vision of this academy took on greater meaning. Yes, we are trying to build leaders through baseball and softball, uh, grow those games in the urban core, but we also wanted to make sure that we were bridging the gap between the urban and the suburban and the rural parts of our community coming together for the good of our children, the good of the next generation. And so that's the greater vision behind this. But, you know, Christian, I just didn't realize. Um, Yes, I knew there was other, but not in Kansas City. And again, maybe it's because, you know, I, I just I just had right. my, you said it so well uh, when you began talking about this series. You said, our, our eyes have always seen, but the, for the first time, I believe our hearts right. are starting to feel. Right. And so that's when I began to feel that in Kansas City. And so th- that, that's why this Urban Youth Academy exists. So they're going to they're gonna show some footage of this place as, as we talk. So tell us a little bit about what happens here specifically with the C10 project because you so you you've ushered in um, a generation of baseball in Kansas City that that is going to be remembered by I mean by by nicknames and one names um, two American League pennants a world championship in 2015 I mean there's a generation of people for forever who Haas and Moose and Salvi I mean guys you drafted and developed and turned into big league stars acronyms like hdh um i think even ned yost was listed among them uh, uh baseball's most attractive managers like i I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's not your your highlight of your career um but i mean there's there's been this renaissance of baseball but you told me one time you think when it's all said and done your greatest legacy and impact in kansas city will not be the royals it'll it'll be this place what do you what what are you guys doing to develop um, and help bridge a gap and raise up young leaders. You know, l- literally, it's it's very simple. Just come alongside people and do life with them. You know, right. and um, look, the strength of our community, the strength of our organizations, the strength of our country can be traced right back to the strength of the family. Right. Okay, and so we're we're intentionally just coming alongside of young people in our community through the game of baseball and softball, and just trying to understand where they are in life, and 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 support them and care for them and let them know that you know we're here to mentor them, we're here to help them, we're here to share our mistakes right. that that we've had in our life, and just try to help you as as you move forward. And and it's as simple as that. And I tell you what, it's that's why it's so important to get involved. And connect because when you start trying to articulate feelings and emotions, oftentimes it doesn't come out right. It's hard to articulate feelings and emotions, but when you sit down with people and you just start doing life with them and you start connecting with your heart and you understand that we do care and they do, I mean, you can get through a lot of different things. And so, the, the look, I've been blessed to travel all over the world where baseball is played, um, all over Asia all over Latin America, in the urban, suburban, and rural parts of the United States of America. And there's two things that I've learned. One, that moms and dads all over the world want the exact same thing for their children. And we all know what that looks like. Right. You got Your moms and dads, we, we, right. we know what that looks like. Right. They all want this exact same thing for their kids. And the second thing I've learned, America's a pretty special place. We're not perfect. We've made our mistakes. We need to self-evaluate. 
need to confront those mistakes so we don't make those same for the next generation. But it's a pretty special place. When we do have injustice and an issue, we, we're quick to confront them compared to a lot of other places in this world. We don't want to beat ourselves up too much. We don't want to stay. We just right. want to recognize, self-evaluate better, and then just move on for the next generation. And so ask ourselves, what do we want this community, this country, to look like for our kids and our grandkids? And so whatever we want that to look like, we have to model that. Leadership, as we all know, it's not taught, it's caught. We have to model it. We have to walk the walk. And so, you know, that's where uh, we are in our lives is just how can we do better and model the behavior we want for the next generation? We're going to speak less, listen more, try to understand, and, uh, and just do what we can to treat people with kindness, grace, concern, and the only way to do that, as we all know, is to be walking with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the answer to all of this. Yeah. So, so let me ask you because a, a lot of a lot of people will say, um, and and I and I think it's fair in 2020 for those of us who have showed up late to the party, like like Journey. Um, this is all politically motivated. Had George Floyd not died, you wouldn't have been doing anything. Um, I would say the second part of that is true the first part is not had george floyd prob- not died we probably would not have engaged but i think what we've done is not a is not a political reaction um you know to to pacify the angry mobs i think we're 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 just learning a little bit about ourselves like you said we're speaking less listening more evaluating a yeah, little and thinking sure. we like we have to do better right um we have to do better a lot of that for us has has been learning mm-hmm. You talked about having conversations and learning here. I know you've taken your your front office team to the Martin Luther King Center in Atlanta um, to learn. Um, I, I know you have, you have gone through the the Oneness Embrace curriculum. Um, the first book I read that I was told to read uh, by by one of my African American friends. That's your like advice. if you yeah I mean, if you want to yeah, if you want to know. Yeah. You need to read this book. We'll be we'll have some of these for sale actually at the end of church, so you don't have to go on Amazon. You can go like into the lobby of church and pick this up today. Um, we also start a we start a Bible study next Sunday night for five weeks called Undivided, where literally we just sit in a room and listen to a group of black Christian leaders and white Christian leaders talk about issues that we're not aware. Maybe we see from a distance, but we've not felt with our heart. How important would you say it is for someone who says? I want to make a difference. I don't know what to do. To to be a part of learning, studying, listening, um, being a part of a Bible study that just helps you see and feel things that you you haven't seen and felt before. Well, I, I think it, it's so important and right. And so Dr. King said, if you want to be understood, you must understand somebody else. Right. One of the other things that he said that I think is so important, he said, you can't be all you ought to be unless I can be all I ought to be. And that speaks back to that all of mm-hmm. our success is tied mm-hmm. together. But but let me talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the political nature, the media, Etc. And, and are we reacting to something instead of responding to something? And those are all great questions. And I, and I, but I do believe that God allows certain things to happen in our lives and in our community to get our attention. And, and I believe this is another issue where we said, okay, now you know what? It's, this needs to get our attention. But, yeah. but racism is not black versus white. It's good versus evil. And we 
as believers and followers of Jesus, we need to fight like heck against evil. Right. And and we, we need to understand that we have to stand up uh, and and do our part and to um, to confront evil. You know, Scripture tells us to never grow tired or weary of doing what is good, and in right. time we will reap the harvest. We've got to just keep pushing. We got to keep fighting for what we believe. And again, the the unity of our country that our kids and our grandkids are going to grow up on, it, it depends on it. Our survival right. depends on it. A house divided right. against itself cannot stand. Scripture tells us that. It's very simple principles that we must just follow. It's not political. And look, when are we going to figure out that evil is using the media to divide us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when are we going to figure out that evil is coming into maybe people like me they get angry with the media. Right. It's forcing me to get angry at the media. For no, look, we're fighting against uh, darkness, and right. and uh, we're allowing evil to to confuse us and to take over. Satan is a deceiver. He's a liar. He's the enemy. I hate him, right. and I want him out. And the only way that I can do that is is through Jesus. And so all of this is solvable with Jesus. Police brutality, unsolvable without Jesus. Racial harmony, unsolvable without Jesus. And that's why it's so frustrating when we, we have issues and the politicians and everybody wants to get involved and have their say. And it's just so frustrating because we know it's unsolvable without, without Jesus. And, and, and that's the, the frustrating nature of, of, of how we're going forward. Look, it's not going to be politicians that solve issues in our community. It's going to be the private sector and it's going to be the faith community coming together that solves issues in our community. So journey, let me say this like directly to you. Um, because what Dayton said is the answer to so many of the questions you've been, I've had so many people ask me since last summer, why do we have to talk about this in the church? We are the only ones who have the answer. Like if we don't talk about it in the church, it will never be solved. We have to bring Jesus into this equation. And for those of you who say, I love Jesus, but I still need more, I really want to challenge you next Sunday night to take 90 minutes of the next five weeks and come to our undivided Bible study. Because I promise you, as you sit and listen and learn to faith leaders through scripture, unpack racism and why it occurs and how it occurs and how Jesus has the answer to those questions. I just promise you, I went through this study last year with a couple dozen people. You will be better prepared to bring Jesus as the solution to this problem six weeks from now than you are now. So Dayton, you also responded to this problem. You and I, you and I talked, I mean, soon, soon after the country erupted and said, what is going on and what can we do? You decided you were going to do something. Can't do everything, but got to do something. Um, And you and a group of leaders in our city uh, put together um, an organization called Unite KC that just basically said, we're going to do something. Um, Our city, as you mentioned, has a terrible, sinful um, history of racial, uh, of racism and racial segregation. I mean, when you study the, the redlining and the systemic things put in place just in Kansas City, um, I've got friends around the country when the Kansas City Star finally came out and, and issued an apology for how they had yeah. 
led our city who are saying, like, your city's worse than ours. I thought we had it bad. Like, man, Kansas City's got some issues. And we do deep, deep issues um, that were birthed through some covenants to, to keep things the way that they were. Talk a little bit about um, your heart for Unite KC and, and what it is bringing the church and the private sector and leaders together um, to do something. And then we're going to talk about the campaign, which I think is going to be the walkaway point for our church today. You, you're going you're gonna to remember what you can do to make a difference. It's going to be simple. It's going to be easy. And it's going to be impactful if you do it. But just talk about the vision for Unite KC and what it is. And we'll, we'll show the website so we can send people in our yeah. church to check it out and, and, and be a part of some of the solutions that you're offering to help. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned before, I mean, what, one of the things that we all know that their issues are unsolvable unless Jesus is at the right. forefront. And so the first, whenever we deal with something, the first thing to do is not pick up the phone and call you or right. talk to your wife. It's talk to Jesus about it. Right. And then reach out to those mentors. I reached out to you right away. I reached out to Jimmy Dodd, who we all know, yep. Pastor John Brooks at Macedonia yep. Baptist Church. And we started talking about things that, that we could do. And so we started meeting once a week. There was a few of us at, at the ballpark in, at Kauffman State, and we began to discuss these things. And people from different domains, the business sector, the entertainment sector, healthcare, uh, uh, criminal justice, po- uh, political domains, the media domains, sports domains, and law enforcement. <laughs> law enforcement. Yeah, Chief Smith was involved with what we were doing. And so we just began to, to hear each other's hearts and begin to connect with each other one-on-one in small groups. And so what we all, we, we all come to a conclusion, again, that none of this is sol- solvable without the faith right. community. And so one of the things that's just burdened me and, and I love, I love what, what you say. You say, what you fail to confront, you condone. Right. Rusty Koontz, our first base coach, says, what you permit, you promote. Hmm. Um, and as a young coach, I used to say, well, if you're not a part of the problem, right. you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're, you're part, part of the problem, problem right? right? Right. So you got to speak up and you got to do things. So we've all learned that to confront these things. And, and so, uh, you know, we had 800,000 people at a parade winning a World Series in 2015. And one of the things I kept thinking along that parade line, and I keep thinking about this today, we had all those people come together and celebrate the success of a baseball team, which is great. That's fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, if we could have the people of faith, those that are just seeking answers, that want a better life for their kids and their grandchildren, to come together as one in unity to solve issues like this and and to create harmony in our community, I mean, it would just be so special. And that's what we have to do. We have to get the faith community together in all these different domains, these sectors in our community, and start living out our faith. And so the thing, and, and I'm not perfect, I make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I'm challenged every single day. I'm thankful that we serve a God that gives us multiple chances and forgives right. us daily. Um, but I do know that we have to live out our faith in the workplace and in in our community. And when we when we can just all come together, we're going to have more courage to do so. And so we've just wanted to take the lead in that. And whatever happens, happens. But uh, look, I'd rather be persecuted for who I am than praised for who I'm not. And when issues like this occur, it's important to step up 
and to say something and try to do better and just learn. When you don't confront these types of things, that's when I lose sleep at night. Look, we can go on a 10-game losing streak, and if we're doing the things the right way and we have a plan, I can sleep at night. But if there's something out there that I fail to confront, that's when God keeps me. He puts me in the belly of that whale. And, you know, I, I can't run from it. So one of the things when you had your major kickoff that you're asking people to do because you're not saying we can solve the problem, but you are saying we are a part of the solution. That's right. And you have a campaign that's just, that's just called One Good Thing. Um, one good thing. You can, you can do, everyone can do one good thing. And you, you mentioned the parade. Um, you've, you've seen the power of 800,000 people moving in the same direction. Um, it, it was almost scary to be a part of. But we, you know, 2.4 million people in Metro Kansas City means if only one out of every three every week said, I'm going to do one good thing. In the area of racial unity, I'm going to do one good thing. Um, talk about just those small deposits from, from your history as a, I mean, as a parent, as a coach, as a general manager at the City Union Mission here at the Urban Youth Academy, just the small deposits that it takes that you have seen be impactful? Well, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I get asked a lot, how do you motivate people, right? You get asked that. And the only thing that I've been able to come up with is you've got to support people. You've got to encourage people. You've got to stand up for them, especially when they're down. You know, we live in a world when people fail. For whatever reason, we like to keep them down. We like kicking them when they're down a little bit instead of genuinely celebrating the accomplishments of people and being Mm -hmm. excited about that. Um, When people fail, we've got to be quick to run to the front and encourage them and say, I'm with you and I'm going to support you. And I think by doing one good thing and encouraging people, that's going to motivate them. People got to know that you care about them. And if if you can display that, I mean, you can motivate people and get them through that day that week, that month, but it takes an entire group. And that's why the faith community coming together. And, and I really believe this in, in spending time in the African-American church, you know, here in Kansas City and watching the, the and, and observing and feeling the, the power of the Holy Spirit in that community is special. When you think about what they've had to endure right. their entire existence in, in America right. and the fact that they still remain so faithful and so passionate right about their faith and, I mean, outspoken about their faith. I mean, it's really, really special. And if we can all unite, I think it's just got a chance to be extremely, extremely powerful. But look, we, but we've got to engage. We've got to, we've got to interact. And, and there's issues on both sides, as right. we all know, and we don't have enough time to tackle them all. But that's why it's, it's, it's a lifelong journey of learning about what other people have, have gone through if you're going to ultimately be able to do something about it. So, Journey, let me say again, you heard Dayton say, lifelong process of learning. Um, if you say, I want to learn more, I mean, this is just the best resource that I can give you, this book, Oneness Embraced. Those of you who have maybe a right now media account, which has Bible studies, you can go on and actually watch Dr. Evans kind of teach through this rather than reading it yourself, if that's easier for you. Uh, our five-week study that's starting next Sunday night, um, so important. We'll, we'll show you while, while we're talking about this, we'll show you on the website where you can go to the list of the, the one good thing, things you can do, um, and just print those out. And every week, try to do one or two. But l- So let me ask you this, Dayton. You talked about 
as you guys brought the Urban Youth Academy um, to this area of the city not being embraced. I think a lot of Christians think um, if I do if I do my one good thing, like it's over and everything will be accepted and everything will work. Um, we've had a 400-year history in our country mm-hmm. of not having, um, not, not doing a great job, sometimes doing an outright bad job, intentionally a bad job in the area of racial unity. Uh, some have said it would take 400 years of doing a good job for it to reset to normal. We've got a 400-year deficit. So talk about not just one good thing, but the perseverance we'll have to show. If, if we feel like God is calling us to be a part of this, um, how many times do we have to show up? How consistent do we have to show up? In your experience, when did people realize, okay, I think he's serious, where you could, where you could have more than a token gesture and you could begin to live relationally with people? You know, one of the things that, that I learned when, when, we started, when we started going to the prisons and start you know, interacting with those men that were incarcerated and listening to their stories and, and understanding why they are where they are. I mean, there's a lot of desperation, okay? And I talked about the strength of the family and the lack of strong male leadership in, the, in those families has been really, really important. And that's the lack of that is why a lot of those men, unfortunately, are where they are, okay? So I began to understand a lot more of why people act in desperate ways where right. there's rioting and looting and destruction of property. You, you never condone that. And they realize today the errors of that in, some, in a lot of cases, and they admit that, just like we need to admit it's at, at some point in time that there are things in our country that we're not proud of right. that we need to confront and make sure it never, ever happens again. But let me say this. Last November, November of 2019, I was on a mission trip with JCI mm-hmm. in Guatemala. And as Pastor Scott and others and went from hut to hut and, and ministering to the families in Las Cedras, um, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, and, and it kept telling me this. It says, you have to want the exact same thing for these children as you want for your own children. And that was so powerful. And there's really not a day that goes by where that feeling doesn't permeate throughout me. I see children walking in the street. You see them on a bus. You see them at the ballpark. You see them at the grocery store. And you have to desire the same thing for those children as you have for your own children. Right. And that is what what God has for us. And so what we don't under, what God created us all different. We're all different by design. And that's that's how he created us. We're supposed to celebrate those differences. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned through this this whole George Floyd uh, time, if you will, is, you know, I used to, I've always seen color. And I've heard people say, um, you know, you shouldn't see color or whatever. And I'm thinking, well, boy, is there something wrong with me? Because I, I do see color, right? And, um, and this, talking to other people and having one-on-one conversations with African-American yep. men and listening to their stories, I mean, they're glad that you see color. Right. And, but we're supposed to, and what I've learned through all that is to enjoy that. Right. I, I like the different cultures. I, I enjoy the Asian culture. I enjoy the Hispanic culture. I enjoy the African-American culture. Now, we're Christians. 
Right. We're one body. We right. can't get so caught up in our own culture right. where we we neglect other and we think our culture's better. Right. No, our, we're, we're proud of our culture, but right. we're, we're one. Right. And that's what that's how God created us, and that's what right. he wants for our lives. And so, again, um, that's kind of the spirit behind everything that we're doing. And I love, you know, Dr. Evans talks in his book about um, unity, not uniformity. Mm. And he said, so often the white church has said racial unity is you look like us and then we'll be unified. And it's not uniformity. It's not everyone being the same, looking the same, worshiping the same, um, doing family dinner the same. After, Like it, we, we celebrate the differences. And Matthew 24 says one day in heaven, we're going to get there and see people from every tongue and tribe and ethnicity. We're, yeah. we're going to look there. We're probably going to have the same skin color we have there and the same hair texture we have well, there. celebrated here. Yeah, and maybe, yeah, maybe the same accents yeah. we have here. So, yeah, why not start? Jesus told us to pray that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Why not start acting? And, and what we read in James 2, I think you've summarized so greatly. I'm going to ask you to close this in prayer in just a second. Um, but what you summarized is what we started with in James 2, where James says, uh, you got to treat people like you want to be treated. Mm. The royal law in Scripture is... Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Treat their kids like you would want someone to treat your kids. Yeah. He said favoritism is sin, to look at someone and treat them any worse than anyone else because of the way they look or because of how much money they have. Favoritism, um, racism is sin. And he said the way the church is going to overcome that is to speak and to act like one who really believes it. Mm. So, Journey, I want to encourage you when you speak, when you tweet, when you text, when you like, when you favorite, when you repost or reforward, man, you better speak as if you're speaking for Jesus. And if he wouldn't like it, tweet it, favorite it, forward it. If it doesn't scream Jesus, don't. Speak and act things that scream Jesus. And begin, um, I want to challenge it, begin one good thing. This week, begin one good thing. See, I think I need to learn a little more before I do that. Pick up the book after church. Come to our Bible study starting next week. But if we can learn to speak where all our speaking screams Jesus, because he is the answer. And we can learn to act where all of our actions scream Jesus. Um, we We will not fix the problem, but we will be more a part of the solution than the problem. And folks, if the church, if the church doesn't say, this is our problem to begin to to be a solution for, um, then there is no, there's no hope. We said it last week in church, faith, hope, and love. Those are Jesus things. Mm-hmm. And if Christians don't have faith that we can do better, if they don't offer people hope in this area, if they don't love like Jesus, no one will. Yeah. Um, so Dayton, man, I, I thank you. Um, I thank you for your friendship and your leadership in our city. You, you really do. And, and you have such tremendous humility, but there's nobody in our city who's been watching, um, no one thinks you're perfect. They all know you love Jesus. Mm. And as a pastor of a church who, who has kids in athletics, it means, it means a ton to have people in leadership in our city who, who are men who every day are trying to get up and honor, love Jesus and honor Jesus. Um, and for, for what you're doing to lead in this, to say, just get involved, do something. You can't do everything, but do something, um, I think is a great example for us. And, and uh, man, I thank you for joining our conversation this quarter as a part of just trying to help journey 
um, do better. Would yeah, you, um, that's an honor. Yeah, if, if you have anything you want to say to close, no, please I, I do. So. I think it's I think it's I think it's special what we're doing yes. uh, at JCI. Uh, it's going to make a difference for the next generation. And you look, we all want to leave something better than we found it. Yes. And that's, you know, we're here for such a short period of time. Scripture tells us life is a vapor. Yeah. We, our Judeo-Christian beliefs say we have one life to live. Let's just make it count. Let's make it count for everybody. And when you when you get that, that harmony, that togetherness, that unity of everybody pulling in the same, there's no, no special, no more, no feeling that's more special than that. Totally agree. So. Totally agree. I'm going to ask you to close yeah. this in prayer. Pray for our city. Pray for yeah. our church. Pray for our people that we can do better in this area. Yeah. Thank you. So, Heavenly Father, um, we love you. We're humbled um, by the work you were doing in us. I'm thankful for JCI. I'm thankful for a pastor who is leading uh, in this area. This this area that is so important for not only our peace, our daily peace. But for the next generation, our kids, our grandchildren, Father, and just help us um, help us model that behavior that you want seen on earth, Father. Uh, we, we pray for unity in our city. We pray for unity in our country that we celebrate the difference of others and that we embrace each other's difference, Father. And we just come together as one. And uh, we're, again, we're, we're so humbled uh, by your presence. Uh, we love you. Uh, we need you if there is anything, Father, that, uh, that needs to be ripped open in us, Father. I just pray that you rip it wide open, Father, that we can self-evaluate and we can come to an understanding and have that peace of unity and oneness and, and harmony that you desire for all of your children, Father. And we just want to be that example at JCI. And so, again, Father, we, we love you, Jesus. Uh, we need you in our lives, and we just ask you to lead us through uh, these challenges and help us be better. That's, that's all we're trying to do. And so it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.